Okay. Well, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes to what we need to see and understand from your word tonight. This has been such a joy, just something to a recognition, a realization that makes such a difference in the daily walk. So, Lord, I pray that you would guide my tongue. And, Lord, I pray that this would be an encouragement to us all in these days. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to make a statement. And in its simplicity, there's a depth here that, I don't know, maybe you haven't struggled with this, but I know some who have, and I'm one of them. Just not a struggle maybe so much, but a reality that needs to go deeper. I think in this last year, that has been something that I have dwelt on and meditated on maybe a little bit more. I, I don't know why it is, but I just love parking on certain passages and quite honestly reveling in them, just enjoying the truth that is there because it does make a difference. I remember one time I was having a dream, and no, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying dreams and visions. I, that's, that's not what I'm stressing. But I remember I was dreaming that <clears throat> I, was at a, I was at a place, I was at a large house, and somebody was about ready to come through this door, and it was Jesus. He's just, he's going to come through the door. And of course, I woke up before that happened. But it was like, oh, my soul, what if that had been real? Now, there's coming a time when that is going to be a reality. It's not a thing of if, it's a thing of when. But meanwhile, here we are. Christ has ascended. He is sitting at the right hand of the throne. And I think sometimes, and I'm not going to cite them, but I think there, there's a couple of hymns that that we sing that automatically make the presence of our God something of a distance. You know, we're hanging in there. No, we're not hanging in there. You know, hold the fort. We're not holding the fort. We are more than conquerors. Visibility does not equal presence. Visibility does not equal presence. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I think that's somewhere in the Bible. Amen? We love the thought of the disciples looking into the face of the Lord, and who wouldn't? I mean, if I had slept long enough and the Lord came through, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's a marvelous idea, but visibility does not equal presence. Once again, our God is as much on this earth right now as he was 2,000 years ago in Galilee. He is here. Now, I'm just going to kind of meditate on that, and we're going to go into the, 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 the title of the message tonight is The Holy Spirit's Person and Power. We're going to look at several aspects of the Holy Spirit, and as I was going through them this last week, it, it really was a joy because it was, it was place after place after place after place. Wow, it's amazing, according to this book, what our God, the Holy Spirit, has done, is, and is doing. So, I'm not sure where you are at on that. But as far as me, just to let you know, I have had a ball with this this last week. I'm going to enjoy it tonight. And if anybody wants to get on board, you are welcome to it. 16 times, the Holy Spirit is related by name to the other two persons of the Trinity. We do not, cannot understand the Trinity. God in three persons? It's amazing how there are those people that they think that unless they can take God and put him in a box, they're not going to believe him. That is an absolute falsehood. I just know this. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as we will see, were there, and they all had something to do with creation. Now, some of you have taken, for instance, you've taken time to study uh, creation, maybe, you know, uh, over there with the, um, the ark encounter. You know, you came across some situation, you know, just, just something, or you, or you read. I, uh, I, I remember when I was down in San Diego, when I was teaching in Santa Maria, and I, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but I just decided I was going to pay the price to go down to, I think it was Institute of Creation Research at that time, and got to hear personally Henry Morris, and there was another man that was there. I forget, I'm forgetting his name right now. But uh, it was fascinating to hear these people. Right now, I just know this. When I read from God's word, the truth of the presence, not only of the Father and the Son, but also of the Holy Spirit, it does something to my heart. I hope and pray that we'll see. No, how, no matter, it seems, no matter how much we read John 14 and John 16, and it's both at it, it's talked about both there, or it, it, this singular issue is talked about in both those chapters. No matter how much we read them, 
we sometimes just struggle with this, that Jesus looked into the eyes of his disciples and said, I am going to send you another comforter, another of the same kind, a comforter called alongside. This time, not only will he be with you, but he shall be in you. Now, again, visibility does not equal presence. I, ha- I don't have to see somebody to have that person here close to me. If the scripture tells me that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us, that's a joy. It also makes a difference. Again, as we will see, I hope and pray that we do. He's called the Spirit of our God in 1 Corinthians 6.11. He's also, Roger, as you, have, as you have spoken about before, he's called the Spirit of Adoption. Romans 8.15, I still love that message, and you preached it twice, I think. I just love what the Bible says about adoption and how you drew those things out, and it's just, it's just great. We're going to look, first of all, and turn, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Take note of this. We're going to think, first of all, of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit possesses each as witnessed by the Word of God that, oh, by the way, he inspired. He inspired. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Look at verse 11. I'm just going to let my notes speak for me. My Bible is sitting here. Look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Now, I'm catching, catching Paul in mid-argument, if you would, or discernment or whatever. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Let me read just a couple of comments from people that I read. The purpose is to show that the Spirit has an exact and thorough knowledge of the things of God. Now, I know I'm I'm speaking to people that don't have to be convinced that the Holy Spirit is God. But here's where this, it's there. We, we need to rejoice in it. We need to thank the Lord for it. And this is done by the very striking thought that no man can know his own mind, his own plans, but himself, his own spirit. You know, Antonio. Antonio has gone back to college. He's a little bit of a different guy than what he was when before he left here. But even before he left here, I didn't know everything about Antonio. In fact, I can't know. I am not aware of his thought processes. And that goes with all of us. We just don't know. There is a man, a singular man. He knows in his mind and in his heart what he has been thinking moment by moment what at that moment is motivating him, what is making him doubt, what is making him hurt, 
etc., etc. The idea is that no man can know another, though his thoughts and designs can only be known by himself or by his own spirit, and that unless he chooses to reveal them to others, they cannot ascertain them. I don't know everything that makes Tim Schmidt tick, and vice versa. But now listen to this. What he's saying is, is this is the same situation with God. Look again. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. What is the point? Basically being pushed is this. Man can't figure God out. Through eternity, we will never be able to fully fathom him. But the Holy Spirit does. That's how important the Spirit is. Now look at verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In other words, not the wisdom and knowledge which the world can give, not the learning, the philosophy that was so prevalent during that time in in the Greek culture, etc. The views of truth which we have are not such as this world gives, but are such as are communicated by the Spirit of God. Now, we have trusted Christ. Those of us who have trusted Christ, what has come to us is truth from God by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in the, men, in, in the hearts of men and wrote down the Word. As we read the Word, the Spirit comes and helps us understand, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, explaining, discerning, helping us as we allow the word to open it up, open itself up to us as we take scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, and allowing again the spirit to work that we might know, look again at verse 12, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, that we can fully understand that which God has conferred on us in the gospel. When it comes to the truth and the proof and the foundation of the gospel, the Holy Spirit is there. Speaking, speaking, he is in us. He guides us. The things that are freely given to us of God. These things we know, they're not matters of conjecture, but are confirmed to us. It is incredibly sad that there are people that you can listen to 
and they will absolutely be adamant. They'll stomp their feet, they'll take their fists, they'll pound the table, do whatever, and say, this is what the Bible says. And it's obvious that it does not. Let me tell you, it is such a joy to be able to take this book, hand it to somebody, and tell them two things. Number one, the Bible interprets itself. Number two, the author will help you recognize the truth that is written therein. That is a joy. That is the work also of the Spirit, the one that we cannot see but is as much here now and in us as again 2,000 years ago. Oh, I wish I had Jesus here to speak to. You've got Jesus to speak to that'll speak to you. It's in the word. Well, yeah, but no, no. Between prayer and discernment and, and the, the subjecting ourselves to the authority of God in our lives, we can understand these things. They don't have to be a puzzle. Now, I know, I, I've, heard the, I've, I've heard the thing of, you know, we've seen good men, and there have been good men that have seen different issues in the Bible differently. Stuff that, that didn't, where, where eternal things as far as salvation, et cetera, it wasn't there, but, you know, it's like, the, you know, people will look and say, well, this is what I see, or this is what I see. Praise God. Understand, there's going to be those differences, but I do know this. I can go through this book and I can find truth. I've got to make sure that I am not in myself, what's the word? I am not pushing myself a certain way. Look, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I, um, I had an interesting discussion with somebody while I was back east, not at the school, but I had an interesting discussion because there was an issue that we were talking about where he was adamant on something that he saw. Okay, praise God. Praise God. I can, we, we can still fellowship. We can love each other, no problem. But I'm just saying, we can see it. We can see it. I'm going to not, how's that saying go? I'm not going to beat the dead horse to death on that one right now. Go to Psalm 139, would you please? Psalm 139. So we just looked at the omniscience of our God. He knows, and the fact that we, we've received not the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit which is of God. We know the things that are freely given to us by God. But now there is what we were just talking about, that omnipresence. Look at verse 7, Psalm 139. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Now just catch this. And whither or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Now, notice he's talking about the Spirit of God. The truth is, as Spurgeon alluded to, 
And I thought, this is, this is an interesting way to put it. Ted, I never thought of it like this. You are as close to God's spirit as your soul is to your body. I never thought it like that. But it's the truth. Where's my soul? Where's the spirit of God? Now, that's wonderful and also sobering. Wonderful in that he has promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He has sent his other comforter, the, the one of the same kind, and come and he indwells me. On the other hand, I can't get away with anything. There's nothing I can hide from my God. You ever thought about that? Not only does he know my actions, he knows my thoughts. Oh my. But then again, that's a blessing. Because as we'll see, his knowledge of our heart, how it functions, how we think, what we struggle with, what we're glad for, what we're discouraged about, it's right there. It's all there. There is no escaping his sight. The Lord promised that this would be the case all the way through the church age. John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and again, and shall be in you. When the spirit came, he is here with the body of Christ, and he is still here. Now, you know, if you're at a barbecue with a bunch of believers and you, you sit back and you start talking about that, you know, you could come up with some really interesting discussion. Things like, well, if that's the case, then why do we, and you fill in the blank, why do we fear? Why do we hesitate? Why do we falter when it comes to God's will? We've all done that, every one of us. How many of you can't believe it's the year 2023? How many of you can't believe <laughs> what the situation of the world is right now? This is stunning. And by the way, isn't it interesting to read how certain people, even conservatives, that you really wonder if they truly know the Lord, even how they're seeing it. We see it and we think, last days. Amen. Praise God. But how do we respond? I still think back of that time when I was in our assemblyman's office and this, his chief of staff literally went nose to nose with me and he was a little taller than me and started attacking me. I mean, he just, it was all on. And meanwhile, he's behind him going, I'm with him, I'm with him, I'm with him. 
And all of a sudden, I found myself pushed out. I'm in the hallway, and I am really mad. I am angry, and I want to go in back in the office. I am so glad I didn't. But here's the point I'm trying to make. So often, and maybe you're doing the same thing, I'm praying, Lord, I, I, I want to respond correctly. This is the day that comes, you know, a, a certain day in that kind of a situation. Lord, I got one chance. Help me to do it right. Do you feel the same? You know, just, Lord, Lord help me to respond Correctly, not in fear, in faith, in confidence, but also at the same time, not grab that guy's necktie and say, you get any closer, you're going to find out what an old guy can still do to a young punk like you. Now, don't sit there and laugh at me. You do the same thing, some of you. Next time, I'll take Cary Granby with me. He's liking it. He's smiling. I can even tell with my glasses off. Think about the omnipotence of the Spirit. You don't need to turn to it, but, but, but listen to this. In Job 33, verse 4, the Spirit of God hath made me. Now think about that. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Think about that when it comes to the power of the Godhead, the triune God in Genesis 1 that we see. Think about it. Remember, again, let us make man in our image. I'm going to have more to say about that in just a little bit. But what an insight. We read of Christ Hebrews 1, 2, I'm, again, mid-thought, hath made, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved in creation. Every one of them. I know it kind of science, science, uh, sounds kind of silly, but there wasn't a discussion going where God the Father said, let there be light. And God the Son said, amen. And God the Spirit said, uh, wait a minute, let's think about this a little bit longer. There was nothing like that. He is God, three in one. There was no discussion. There is as much love and care and patience and holiness as we'll see one is with the other because the three are one. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Not only was he involved with that, he is truth. This was interesting. You know, sometimes you just got to stop. You've read it before, you've studied it, maybe you've even taught it, but it's like, wait a minute, let's put the brakes on here. Think about this. 1 John 5, 6, the latter part of the verse 1 John 5, 6, the latter part. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Now, 
We read John 3.16, for God so the world. In fact, because of that, the love of God is so stressed that the scripture says God is love. But understand this, God is truth. And that point is made specifically for two members of the Godhead. God the Son, John 14, 6, I am the way, the, and the life. And then we read here by, again, same author, John, because the Spirit is truth. Now, I sit back and I take a little bit of a breath and I think, boy, that is great. I am so glad to read in the scripture that the one who inspired the scripture is known as truth. Again, those are the things I, you know, you, you, you kick your feet back up on your desk and you kind of lean back in the chair and, and, and you're kind of looking out and you're meditating on it. It's like, yes, everything I need in the triune God is there. I am saved because God so loved. I know the salvation plan because the spirit who inspired is truth. And he guided men in truth. Not only is he truth, he is holy. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I was reading someone, he said, just made a comment. He said, it's fascinating that Christ loved this phrase, how much more? There's another passage where the statement is, good things are given. But we didn't get the whole conversation. There's another part of the conversation that says, hey, the greatest of the good things is the Spirit of God. If he gives you the Spirit. I love that. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I did a study on the word law a long time ago when it came to Romans. A force or influence, it was used like this, a force or influence impelling to action. That is how the word law is used here. A command and influence which the spirit of life produces. Look again at verse 2, or listen. For the law, the influence, the force of the spirit of life, and that is the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, has done what? Made me free from the law of sin and death. God does not simply sit back and go, hey, Rogers, <laughs> I, I know you, you struggle some. Let me tell you, boy, you know, you've been one of my bigger challenges, but you know, I'm pulling for you. Do the best you can. 
That's not the case. The spirit of God, I am set free from sin, but the spirit of God in Christ Jesus, the spirit comes along and gives the impetus, gives the force. Listen, I have been set free. I don't have to struggle. It's not that I come into the cage with God, the spirit, and we're gonna give it our best shot to overcome sin. That is not the case. We're free, folks. How many of you expect to go to hell number two when you die? It ain't there. Well, how about purgatory? Uh Uh-uh. We're set free. Now, you know, there are times when all of a sudden the wicked one, or maybe it's my own flesh, reminds me of a sin in the past. And it gets discouraging until I remember I'm set free. The sin is paid for. The power of it is gone. I am free to live free. You are too. And with that, we rejoice Think of his actions. Think of the actions of the Holy Spirit, again, as God. Now, let's go back. I alluded to this. Genesis 1. Y'all are sitting there and with no pages to turn to. You're falling asleep or checking your phone or doing something. I'm going to give you something to do. Okay, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There have been people that have looked at that and said, well, you know, that talks about chaos. You see, there was a previous creation, and everything went kaboom. In fact, you know, the Lord's tried this several times, and once again, he's dealing with this creation that sinned. You know, there's a Greek term for that, rongo. That is, not, that is not what took place. I love what Henry Morris points out in this. This means, quote, and the matter so created, the matter, remember, time, space, matter, and the matter so created was at first unformed and uninhabited. It was void, The Holy Spirit, the word there means it came brooding on the raw material. Nothing had been brought into a systematic creation yet. It was just there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but nothing was formed yet. Nothing like that had taken place. And so the Spirit of God It was the Spirit of God that moved, said, this is what we will do. And God began, let there be light. Then, as we've already alluded to, is the inspiration of the Scriptures. Now, by the way, as we're going through that, as we're going through this, remember something. The person that we're talking about is here. He's in you. 
we're talking about him and he knows full well what we're thinking. Let's rejoice in God the Father, God the Son, and praise God, God the Spirit, because I love the fact that he's here. He is here. Second Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, will of man, I should say, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Wow, I am so glad. You know, looking back through time, it, it, the knowledge of our God is beyond comprehension. We will not be able to comprehend it through all eternity. But we can ascertain, we can see this, that God moved in men's hearts. He had them where they needed to be, knowing how they would respond and therefore working with them. He knew, you go back to the Exodus, there's Pharaoh. God says, I know he will harden his heart. So he helped him harden his heart to bring him into judgment. Here, is, here are men that have a passion for God. There is a holiness, a setting apart of the things of this world. They have a hunger for God, and God says, I'm going to use these men. One's name is John. He was a good disciple. Another was Peter. Oh, he kind of put his foot in his mouth a couple of times, but it's been amazing how I've been able to use him. There are some we don't know a whole lot about Jude, but there are holy men of God. And through the working of the Spirit of God, they write the words of God and their own personalities come through. You can tell the difference between Luke and John and Matthew and Mark and Paul. You can see the difference. But still, it's all inspired because they were used of God because of their disposition to the God of heaven. In the birth of Christ, oh my, Luke 135. <clears throat> and the angel answered and said unto her, unto Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. If there was no Holy Spirit, we often think, you know, if there was no Mary, there would be no Jesus. Yes, praise God for a human instrument that was there and usable. But if there was no Holy Spirit, there'd be no Savior. Now, I feel like about this much trying to explain, getting into the Word of God, it's not, praise God, I'm glad it's not in me. It's here. 
and we know enough. And we're told enough. I love this. Rejoicing. Now, not only do we read this, his actions as God the Spirit, but in those actions, how he worked among men. In John 16, if you want to turn to it, you're welcome to it. And we're almost done. But in John 16, we read this, starting in verse 8, with his convincing. And when he is come, again, speaking of the Holy Spirit, Christ talking about when he would send the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. You know something? In those last three verses, verses 9, 10, and 11, you get a grasp, you understand why Satan battles the local church so much. You understand why he hates it when we simply give out a gospel tract. Because these three things he despises of sin because they believe not on me. That's what Satan is working at. You don't believe it. Yea, hath God said, was his first condemnation of the character of God, and he's been working at it ever since. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. He's there, and praise God, the truth comes. We are set free from salvation. We receive the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't want that. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Oh, he hates that. He hates that. But I'm so glad. Because this is the work that he does. I don't have to do it. I just present it. I'm used and you're used as a tool. We love, we obey, we rejoice in what we have. Somebody said this about this. He attends the preaching of the gospel and blesses the means of grace, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and manifests his power in revivals of religion. He thus imparts to man the blessings purchased by the death of Jesus, carries forward and extends the same plan of mercy and will yet apply it to all the kingdoms and tribes of man. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Just a couple more, and then we're done. Then there is the work, not only the convincing, but the regenerating of the Spirit. John 6, excuse me, John 3, is a passage that we have all known so well because of John 3.16. But in John 3.6, Christ said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit of the spirit of God or by the agency of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he is at work in the redemption, the regeneration of mankind. We learn this, all men are sinners, None that none are renewed 
but by the Spirit of God. Praise God for Christ on the cross. Not just Christ down here, you know, in the manger, but Christ on the cross. But it's the Spirit of God that speaks to us about what took place there and draws us to the Savior. Now, again, like I said, you know, there's one thing about a message like this. I can't stop and tell a joke. I, I, I can't portray a wonderful scene that is, that is a real illustration of what's being talked about. I just like looking at these verses and going, you know, wow. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The effect of the Spirit in your life and mine is the new birth because he told us so. There's one that we've already talked about, comforting the Spirit comforts. John 14, 16, the other comforter. We've said lots about that. But then let's go to Romans 8 and we're done. This is a favorite because we've all struggled with this. Romans 8, verse 26. We know it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Have you ever gone to God and your heart is so broken because of a situation that as far as you're concerned is so out of your hands and the fact is you don't know how to pray for it and I've been there too. How many of you have ever been there? Now, this is, this is how it plays out. The Holy Spirit comes along and says, I know what you're going through. I know what your heart, where your heart is right now. I'm going to take this to the throne of grace with you. We're going before the Father, where the Son sits on the right hand. And I'm going to help them understand what you and your inadequacy is trying to say. That's the verse. And you know something? I am so glad. Because there's been so many times I thought if I articulate it, and I can't. That's the spirit that is in us as close, like Spurgeon said, as our own soul is to our body. And when we leave in just a few moments, he goes with us. Now, I sit back, I look at these verses, and I want to say, I want to sing, thank you, Lord. Amen? Folks, we all desire in us the impetus to make the impact that we're called to. We are not alone. The Spirit of God is more than enough. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I pray that as we have our devotions, I pray that as we're meditating on your word, that we recognize the joy of the presence of God the Spirit. We come to you, Father, because of the agency of the Son, and we thank you for the Spirit who is here, even guiding me, I pray, I know, as we come to the throne, the Spirit knows, the Spirit intercedes, the Spirit guides. Lord, I don't know what it might be that we will have come our way this week, but Lord, I pray that we will find ourselves rejoicing in this. We have another comforter, one called alongside, who came on people in the past, but now he is in us and he is with us. He has sealed us and he will be with us till we step through heaven's gate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for so great salvation. We pray in Christ's name, amen.